So what is going on right now? What's kind of like the hot topic? What should real estate buyers, investors, even sellers know right now? Uh, PCE. It came in hot, like actually way too hot. So PCE came in at 4.2% versus the 3.7 expectations. That's a big miss. And the PCE is the Fed's favorite number. Also, when you strip out food and energy, so they call that PCE core, that one was 4.9 versus 4.4. So um, what does PCE mean? Uh, Personal uh, consumption expenditures. Yes. And... On top of that, we had other economic data that was not in our favor. So GP, uh, GDP came in at 1.1 versus 2%. So the question right now is, I mean, really what's going on? And consumer spending was still up, but you can see consumer spending also slowing down. So this is starting, this is the economy just throwing flares right now. Mayday, 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 we've got problems. And there could be a bigger problem here. And the bigger problem is we could be going right into stagflation. Stagflation is where you have still rising prices, still inflation, but the economy is slowing down. The Fed has to be very, very very concerned about stagflation and us as consumers and as real estate investors, we also have to pay attention to this because what that does is it basically just gets us stuck in a muck and a mire that is very hard to work out of. Jobless came claims, they also came in hotter. So jobless claims, uh, claims came in at 230,000 versus 249,000. Bigger number better economic data in this example. Now, we don't ever want anyone to lose their job, okay? So it's unfortunate that economic statistics are reported this way. And for the Federal Reserve to win, they have to bring jobless claims up. They've got to slow down inflation in order to get us back to the 2% target inflation rate that they're trying to get us to. What does this mean? It means expect additional hikes from the, the Federal Reserve. Like, they have to do that. It also means for us as real estate investors, as buyers, as sellers, they can't keep interest rates high forever. So what's happening is we got the banking sector falling apart. We have real estate got a little topsy-turvy and in some markets it's coming back up. We have services that is still high on the inflationary side. So the goods part, we started to get under control, okay? Supply chain broke the goods part. Uh, during the COVID pandemic, but the supply chains come back. So the goods part of inflation is coming back. The war in Ukraine, you know, that caused a big spike in, in energy prices. But what's not moving is that services. So we've got to get the services pricing down. And what this also means is anyone who had a increase in their pay, or wage growth. That little bit of wage growth that we saw is actually being eaten by the increased price in services. So until we get the services part of inflation under control, the Fed will not be winning the battle. So what does that mean? Rate hikes. But because everything's showing signs of breaking, this is not permanent. It's not forever. This is a moment in time. So if we're long-term betting right now. Our long-term bet is they have to start bringing them down because there's so many signs of things breaking. The other part that the media doesn't like to talk about, 
one of the major reasons for this inflation was just money printer go burnt. We printed trillions. That's still sloshing around in the system. That's why the consumer is still spending. It's why services are costing more because very simply there were more dollars chasing less goods and services. Therefore, prices have to go up. And consumer spending is still up 3.7%, but showing signs of slowing. Uh, one of the things I want to do is kind of summarize what you said, because uh, PCE and that number going up is just a sign of continued inflation. I think we're trending in the right direction. Yep. But we have to be prepared that it's going to bounce up and down as we yep. go down. But this was a big miss, and we, were, and we didn't want it to be that big. Because by this time, with interest rates being raised so high for so long now, you would expect it to be going down, but it's in that bump-up moment. And then jobless claims, this is where I think I personally sometimes get uh, confused because it's like jobless claims, unemployment, Basically, right now, jobless claims went down. Yep. That typically needs to go up in order for us to be going in the right direction for inflation to be going in the right direction. And so all this meaning the Federal Reserve most likely will have to continue raising rates. Yes. And how does that affect loans and people's kind of like real estate projects. The Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise rates. And as they raise those rates, what happens is the money supply continues to get pinched. Credit continues to get pinched. Depositors move their money around to go to higher yields to keep up with higher prices. So for us as real estate investors, as land developers, you're going to have to have more cash. The project is going to have to be a better deal. Otherwise, don't do it. You're taking on too much risk going into a tightening situation. So Peter Schiff, uh, economist, but really is uh, a podcast you know, voice, uh, been around forever. He just put out this tweet and he said, Today's 1.1% Q1 GDP growth confirms economy is getting weaker as inflation is getting stronger. The Fed has already lost its war against inflation. Inflation won and the U.S. economy lost. The Fed's next move will be to rescue the economy by creating even more inflation. So break down what he's trying to warn us about. This is like the golden nugget of tweets because he, he basically drops bomb after bomb after bomb. With the economy coming in at 1.1 versus the 2.0 uh, uh, estimate, that is a major miss. It's almost a 50% miss. I mean, you missed it by half. That's a very weak number, and we haven't had a super weak number or a big miss like that since the GDP was negative last year, and magically the federal government said we weren't in a recession. So this is high recession indicator of, hey, this is coming. So I think that's number one. The Federal Reserve, though, why he's saying they're losing is... Us as consumers, we've got this really short timeline, this short mindset and belief that inflation is just going to poof, magically be gone because we've all got these cell phones and, and speed of information. Everything's become so instant. Inflation is sticky. Inflation is hard. And you're seeing major parts break. The banking sector, parts of housing, commercial real estate, goods, services, things like that. 
So he's saying that literally if the Fed doesn't change, we're headed towards economic collapse. So a thesis that we have is that we're going to see slightly higher inflation for longer. It's just something we're going to have to put up with. And the Fed's then going to go to one of their little rule books over here that they kind of hide in plain sight where they talk about the long-term average of inflation targeting. But the reality is, is they can take an average over a period of time of that inflation. So they're just going to say, you know what, we're close enough to 2%. Because you're seeing so much pressure in banking and in services and things like that, the reason he says that the Federal Reserve is going to have to rescue us is this is they're going to have to turn the money printer back on. They're going to have to lower interest rates. And when they turn the money printer back on and they lower interest rates, that is 1,000% inflationary. Brilliant tweet by uh, Peter Schiff. And how does that affect interest rates for people needing lending for their projects or developments? It's not going to affect it immediately. And so you have to look at this more as like a long-term thing. So uh, right now, you know, we are in, you know, second quarter 2023. Possibly by fourth quarter of 23 or early 25, you'll see that easing from the Fed starting to happen. So this isn't a today thing, but this is massive pressure that you can see coming. And when you're a land developer or a long-term real estate investor, you're not planning in months. You're planning in years. You're also planning in decades. So when you can see this coming, you know, great. If I go in on a land development project today, by the time I get this done, we're going to be in a better interest rate environment. So if I can make the deal work today, it just gets even better in the future. So for me and my guys, I'd be like, it's time to make some bets, boys. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Especially because a lot of people probably aren't making bets, right? Correct. There's a lot of things maybe not even getting onto the market because the sellers don't even really have a lot of hope. And this is the exact time you want to be planting seeds. And those sellers are, it's very interesting right now, especially in that land development space. In that land development space, the seller wants a number that is not economically viable based on today's interest rates. So the buyer can't pay that. But the seller also knows if I just wait, they probably can. And the buyer needs projects because most of the United States, and especially here in the Seattle Metro, were so low on inventory. So it's this weird game of chicken to see who's going to blink first. And then how can we bridge these gaps to put deals together? And so kind of one of the things you are seeing is you're seeing just longer-term projects with longer timelines being put together, knowing that if I can skip to a later date and time, I can get to a different uh, interest rate environment. Another bank. Now, it's a bank that's been brought up. Um, as you guys know, a lot of banks have been failing, right? Yeah. Needing support from the Federal Reserve, basically government-backed money. First Republic Bank came back onto the news is the hot topic in terms of the banking industry. What is going on with them and uh, why does it matter to investors, buyers? First Republic 
would have already died if the Fed hadn't come in and backstopped everyone by saying, hey, you can bring us your assets and we're going to loan you full face value against those assets. They wouldn't exist. So what they did when SBB and um, Signature Bank went under was they started backstopping uh, banking. And First Republic also from 11 major financial institutions got $30 billion. So you got to believe that the Federal Reserve kind of went over and was like, hey, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, can you give, you know, First Republic, you know, $30 billion? And They're calling in the favor, right? Yeah, hey, yeah. remember when we bailed you out like uh, <laughs> 10 years ago? Yeah. We, we, need, uh, we need you to... I'll return the favor now. Yeah, wink, wink. You know, uh, if you could put some money in here, that would be great. What's happened though, and you know, I actually got to read this to make be very specific. Twenty nine percent drop in its stock on Wednesday was followed by nearly losses of fifty percent on Tuesday. So, First Republic is also playing a game of chicken, and it's a three way game with the poor consumer and taxpayer stuck in the middle of this game. You've got the Federal Reserve, big banks, and First Republic. And what's happening is there's this crazy push-pull dynamic where First Republic is working tirelessly to stay alive, keep deposits, things like that. These big banks over here are saying, I want to buy you, but I need to get a really good deal. And the Federal Reserve saying, hey, we're giving you money to keep you afloat, but we're not going to intervene. We're not going to step in. We're just going to see where the chips happen. Part of it is they don't want to put that burden on the uh, American taxpayer. Part of it is they have to take a little bit stronger stance because there was so much backlash immediately created when uh, Silicon Valley Bank went under and Signature Bank went under. So there's this game of chicken. And what's, what's going to win out in my, in my belief, is these big banks are going to wait until they go under. Then they're going to go to the Federal Reserve, just like they did with the, with the other two failures. They're going to get carve-outs, they're going to get protections, and they're going to buy this bank for pennies on the dollar. This bank, its, it's main clientele, uh, wealthy consumers, getting, you know, big loans and thing, and uh, things like that. Something in the news floated up where uh, one of their customers has an $11 million loan on a house for, and it's locked at like 2.75. Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. Okay. So this weird push-pull that's, that's happening is the government's unwilling to rescue. The bank's doing everything to stay alive. And, he's, and the big banks are sitting there just waiting like vultures going, okay, who's going to fall down first? And then how do we get protected to buy this asset? I don't like this constant, I'm going to protect a bank to buy another bank. That's very anti-capitalism. I also don't like this idea of the U.S. taxpayer constantly having, even though they don't directly foot the bill, they indirectly foot the bill for this. Also, as this bank goes under, it leaves some underlying questions. Like, if they go under, is the FDIC then going to raise their insurance premiums and basically recharge that fee to all banks and consumers? The second big question is what happens to that $30 billion in deposits that was just kind of pushed in by other major financial institutions? So 
I think one of the reasons nothing's being done with First Republic is it's a can of worms. Nobody wants to be the first to crack it open, but it's also a deal. So someone wants to be, they don't want to be first to the deal. They want to be in second place, <laughs> third place, fourth place, and get the good carve-outs, the good guarantees, and make it happen. You know, part of what they were trying to do was they were trying to get um, uh, other banks to buy their assets at above market rates. It's just not going to work long term. So this is a zombie bank. It's basically game over. And it's going to be very interesting to see where the chips fall. Is it a canary in the coal mine? Meaning, is it representing other issues that other banks may have? And we're just discussing this one bank in this one circumstance. But if you were to add two or three into the mix, then it becomes a true banking crisis again, again. right? And the unintended consequence of any of the Federal Reserve's actions is more inflation. I mean, the, the most, most simple way to pull all this is they spent a whole year fighting inflation. Yes. Arguably, regardless of who was responsible for it, they were doing it by raising interest rates. Yes, things broke. But they reversed all that in like a matter of uh, a few weeks. And if they do anything else to support, inflation is back up. And we're in the same uh, situation, but worse. Yeah. Because if inflation continues, and we know that inflation is a, a lagging thing, right? Yep. You do something today, you might not see it for 6, 12, 18, maybe even like two years down the road in terms of it to like fully play out. And in addition to inflation, it's uncertainty. Yeah. Like, and, the, and when I'm thinking about the real estate investor, right, though, you know, you are suggesting, hey, time to look at deals, maybe plant some seeds, like get things going. Rates could most potentially yeah. go down again, but we could be in another messy situation down the road and it could kind of throw off your deals potentially. The canary in the coal mine was Silicon Valley Bank. And that was the systemic risk. And when they came in and put that fire out and the Federal Reserve essentially said, we're going to backstop and you can come to the overnight window, you can give me your assets, I'm going to give it to you at face value, even though we normally have to discount them because interest rates went up. I think that, that killed that poor canary. And what I don't think, and this is the part that we're not taking into consideration, I think that though broke the consumer. That changed the consumer's mindset because spending started changing right after that. So the consumer started spending less. And I think the Federal Reserve is going to continue to backstop these banks so we're not going to go through that huge banking crisis that was the potential. And we will remember Silicon Valley Bank as the Lehman Brothers of this recession. Okay. Most people won't remember First Republic here in a decade. So I'm still sticking with my original thesis. I think this is a warning flare, but I already think there's so much propping it up that these were chips that were already falling off the table. And so they were coming anyway. And that's that lagging indicator you just spoke about. So those lagging indicators were coming anyway. We'll continue to clean them up. The big banks will gobble them up. Some shareholders will lose some of their money. It looks like depositors are still going to be, you know, guaranteed during that process. And it will force the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates. That's the whole thesis here. 
If they lower interest rates, it starts to squish this banking crisis because what's happening with this banking crisis is if you're a large depositor and you're only getting 1%, 2%, 3% on your money from the bank, well, a treasury bill looks so much better because it's paying you three to four something. And there's you know, money market accounts and CDs that are all paying more than that. So as the Federal Reserve lowers interest rates, what it does is it actually supports our banking system by them being able to keep more depositors in their bank. So once again, it just goes back to what we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago, but that's what's going to happen is we already killed the canary, the consumer we broke, and the Federal Reserve is going to be forced even more to lower interest rates to keep the banking system alive. So as a real estate investor, land developer, home buyer, if my time horizon is you know greater than a year or five years, great. It's a great time to start moving and going. Also, there's a lot of fear. See, when there's fear, there's deals. And when, and when everyone is running away, we're running towards it. We're looking for those opportunities. You're getting more deals to analyze. So you can also be picky. You know, two years ago, you couldn't be picky. It was like, okay, well, we got to keep things moving. So you're just grabbing whatever. But this banking crisis is creating time for investors to think, for them to run the financials, for them to be picky on the deals, because there are people who are completely pulling out of this process. There you go. I'm very curious to see when they lower interest rates, how long they can sustain that because the the opposite of that is inflation will potentially continue to yeah. either stay at that level, which is anything above 2% is not good because that means like literally your bottle of wine or bag of chips could literally be like, you know, 50% more in the next few years, you know, easily 100%. with compound um, uh, inflation. And then we'll see what they do then. But that... To add to what you're, yeah. what you're saying, right? I think when we say lower interest rates, the consumer immediately goes, ooh, 30-year fixed debt. The lowering of interest rates by the Federal Reserve, 30-year fixed debt will most likely be in the fives. We can't go back to the threes for exactly what you just said. That would be massively inflationary. It would create risk. So when money is cheap, it makes risk. Just simple. Because what happens is when money is cheap... People take risks. They take risks. And then secondly, people who shouldn't qualify, qualify. And that expensive car you shouldn't buy, you can afford. And that fancy watch that you've always wanted, it looks a little bit better when the debt and the money is a little cheaper. So... Be very aware as the consumer, they're not going to immediately squish it back down. I'm saying they're going to squish it a little bit to create a, a safety net. We're not going, we may never go back to threes. No $11 million loans for <laughs> 2%? <laughs> Only for me and you, hopefully, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I, I definitely feel like we should probably do another one of these after the next meeting. Oh, 100%. The, the problem with this next meeting is the next uh, Federal Reserve presentation, it comes out before all the new economic data hits. So on a certain level, the Fed's going in a little blind. 
And then the next week, all the new economic data hits. So this is going to be one of those meetings where we're all going to sit there with bated breath to see what happens. And then the next week, we're going to figure out what actually happened in the economy, which will then determine the Federal Reserve's next move. And we'll be there to uh, talk about it. 100%, as always.